Remember when you were 8 or 10 years old and around your birthday, every piece of mail had the potential to be for you? I mean, it was exciting. Unless, of course, you opened the card and no money fell out. Now, that was me. Go ahead. Judge me if you want. But that's how it was, uh, at least in my experience. I really, really wanted another pack of baseball cards and just a few more pogs. You remember pogs? If not, do a Google search. Walk down memory lane. Now, we all want to walk out to the mailbox and see envelopes that contain money versus bills. And it's possible to have that be your experience, even if it's not your birthday and you're not eight years old anymore. But it won't just happen. Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast, where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. I'm your host, Steve Shear, and today's conversation is a triple threat match covering two major topics, passive income and productivity. My guests today are Mitch and Nina Ferraro. They're business partners, successful, kind, and they're right here in Southeastern Wisconsin, which makes it all the sweeter for me. The Ferraros have leveraged real estate to generate enough monthly passive income to more than cover their family's living expenses, which is awesome. But there's more. Nina launched a business out of her passion for maximizing productivity. Boldly in Company helps leaders advance their career, start a business, or make their business better. And they're fun to be around, which again, really matters to me. You'll love these folks and this conversation. Please enjoy Nina and Mitch Ferraro, Kenosha, Wisconsin's power couple. When it comes to real estate, let's do the real estate first, and then we'll get to Boldly and Co. So the, uh, give, give a little bit more background of how the pair of you got into real estate. I think you, you mentioned, you touched on that, uh, but then where has it taken you the last several years as you've, you know, you mentioned that term of, of passive income. Yeah, sure. So funny enough, um, I was actually scared to get into real estate in the beginning. Nina was the one that kind of pushed me over the ledge uh, to get going. And yeah, I'm a I learn by doing. So I'm like, let's do it imperfectly. And Mitch is I'm very analytical. Like yeah. I need the details. I need to learn the curriculum, and then I need to go then take action. So. Um, for, for us, it was kind of like one of those things where we were kind of teetering because of how our personalities are. So we actually bought our first rental property in like October of 2014 and we didn't know what we were doing. We went through like three months of like trying to find a renter, uh, trying to fix the property up a little bit. And I was like, we need to understand how to do this. Yeah. We didn't do any of it. Well, I, I actually distinctly remember thinking, how hard can this really be? And then <laughs> it was hard. And then it was hard and we did not know what we were doing. So we we admitted that we needed to humble ourselves and really take a step back and learn. Yeah. So that's where the whole fortune builders uh, kind of thing came in where it kind of fell in our lap. We joined that program, uh, actually put a large amount of money down to get into that program, which was very scary at the time. But um, it actually laid the foundation for us to learn how to do things the right way. So um, from there, we just started doing things like flipping homes and building our rental properties through a strategy that's called the Burr strategy, which is the buy, uh, rehab, rent, and refinance strategy. And we've been kind of doing that for the past uh, seven years. And now more recently, um, we have gotten to a point where we have enough long-term rentals and we just started getting into the short-term rental game. So um, short-term rentals being like the Airbnb type of rentals. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of like where we're at right now uh, with real estate. 
And Steve, I think you asked about passive income. And yeah. when we first started, um, it really gave us permission to dream. Like, what did we really want out of this life? And I don't know that either of us really had dreams like that before or had allowed ourselves to say what we really wanted. And what we both came away with when we first started investing in real estate was that we wanted time. You know, we were like, you know, parents just got married, had a house. We were both in, you know, our corporate jobs, trying to start this business. And we never had time. We always felt stressed, always felt too busy. And so it was our goal from day one that we would eventually have enough passive income to cover you know, our savings, our bills, all expenses, so that we could work if we chose to, and that we could have as much time as we wanted. And so we really just got there this year. And it, it's been a hard journey. Yeah, <laughs> It's been a hard journey, but we had that goal in mind. And that's what we were able to execute. There's more that I want to ask there, but before I do, I do want to jump into to Boldly & Co. Yeah. So how, how do you describe it to people hearing of it for the first time? Because this is the other business now. Yes. Yeah. So this is my uh, business consultancy and coaching company, and I would describe it as a productivity company. So essentially, what I was kind of naturally good at in the corporate world was not only having a strategy and a vision and being able to see the big picture, but then I was also good at breaking it down into like the thousands of pieces that it took to execute a big project. And from there, I also figured out like different methods on how to be efficient. And I assumed that everybody could do that. Um, what I later realized was, no, it just kind of happens to be something natural to me and not necessarily that nobody everybody. does that. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I, you know, I had worked with people that were, um, project planners and project directors. So some of those skills were just, they were always around me. So again, I just made the assumption like, well, everybody must operate like this. And I later realized that very few people operate like that. Um, even people at very high, high levels of achievement or academia, um, it's like financial literacy. You're not taught how to be productive, how to get more done in less time, how to balance that with wellness. And so I spent years researching the idea of productivity and how to achieve it and built a company around it. And it's been like... So, so amazing. It's been something that I love doing. So essentially how I would describe it is we help somebody, whether it's a business owner, um, a team, an individual, we take a vision, a strategy, and we help them turn it into a reality through different like tactics and methods and trainings and things like that. Yeah. And I have to chime in on this as well, because um, I'm not a, a business partner within Boldly, but like I am a huge supporter of it, not just because Nina is my wife, but she had taught me this methodology about four or five years ago. And it literally changed my personal productivity 
within our business, our personal life, our marriage. I mean, like I go daily, uh, you know, I have a planner that I work on every single week and it just gives me great visibility uh, into the week. So productivity has just worked out greatly in our own lives. And uh, so I'm just, I'm a big believer in what they do. I love this. I seriously, I, I, so for the rest of our time, I want to dive in uh, a bit on a few real estate things and a few more uh, things specific to Boldly and Co. If that sounds all right, just so everybody that's listening is on the same page. I'd like to, how, how did you all define passive income, like functionally and getting to the point? I know I heard you say that um, you just recently got there to the point of where you had the passive income that you had, the, the goal that you had, you just achieved that recently. What functionally would passive income be for someone um, and how should they set up a goal? How did you all do that? Like breaking down some numbers for people to, that are wondering or feeling like, you know, getting another property is way out of reach. You know, so, so if you could break down some of that when it comes to the passive income side of real estate, uh, goal setting, and also if there are any numbers that you remember starting out with or or tweaking along the way, that would be helpful, I think. Yeah, um, that's a great question. So, you know, passive income to me, you know, it's, uh, in our real estate world, other people may call passive income like something called mailbox money. Okay, something where you're doing very, very little work and money's coming into you very easily. So um, passive income for us was we always had a plan, especially when we started out in real estate, that for us to be financially free, we need to have our monthly expenses and expenses broke down into every little line item budget from saving for Christmas, saving for college education, vacations, birthdays, all of those things. What did that look like for us? And then at the end of the day, what that total number was, we wanted our passive income to cover that. We wanted that mailbox money to cover that. So um, building a rental portfolio where we could have that money coming in very easily with maybe doing, you know, if you could, it'd be zero hours of work a week. But for us, you know, we kind of had the goal, if we had to do four or five hours a week to have our monthly um expenses and everything covered to us, that's what passive income would be. And that's what we have done through our long-term and short-term rentals. Yeah. And we did initially, because I am that planner type of person <laughs> and have that kind of brain, is we we did break it down from day one. We took some guesses, so we didn't have perfect numbers. I mean, now we have more accurate numbers, but it's been through a lot of trial and error. But what we did was we tracked what we actually spent every single month for multiple months. I mean, down to the penny. And we said, great, on average, this is what it takes for us to live. This is what it takes also for our business to survive. And we said, great. So if we make X dollars a month extra, you know, kind of profit within a long-term rental, or Y dollars per month with a short-term rental, what quantity of those properties do we need? And so it allowed us to have some initial goals. Um, not that they were all accurate, <laughs> but it, but we were taking a stab at it and it allowed us to, to see numbers in front of us to say, okay, we need, for example, 20 long-term rentals. We need X number of 
short-term rentals. And again, as we got better, we adjusted those things. Um, yeah. And I think too, what was nice and what's, what really works for Nina and I and, and our skill sets, you know, uh, Nina and I have a very, um, yin and yang type of relationship <laughs> where a lot of her like strengths are my weaknesses. We're very different. <laughs> and a lot of my strength and a lot of my weaknesses are, are her strengths. So Nina's very good at like the planning and like, this is what we need to do. And like, here are the numbers that are behind that. And this is, this is how we can execute it. And then I was kind of more like the boots on the ground. Like I love networking. I love getting in front of people. I love trying to, trying to actually execute the plan that we had in place. So um, that was very useful <laughs> for us. Um, and that's, you know, when I see people that do this on their own, I give even more kudos to them because there's a lot of different parts of this business to try and generate passive income and having a business partner and a spouse that were on the same page like that a lot. That's super, super beneficial because, um, you know, not only bouncing ideas off of, but we we're, we're like an instant feedback mechanism for each other to see like where we're at it's not always and, nice it's not always nice feedback, well, no because but you're human there's feedback for sure okay we're going to pause from the conversation to make a very important announcement we are giving away smiles in the form of awesome stickers so click the link below in the show notes to see our secret super secret landing page and pick a sticker or three that you would like us to ship to you and feel free to forward the link to a friend as well, but only somebody that you really trust because it's a super secret landing page. Now, back to Nina and Mitch. This might be too big of a question, but how would you suggest someone get started? If somebody's leaning in and they're like, yeah, I like this. What what would be the first thing that you would suggest that they do? Yeah, I can definitely hit on that. First thing is get out to local like real estate investment groups, real estate investor associations, you have to start meeting with people that are actually doing deals that are in the space. And networking is like the number one thing you can do. And I would say the second thing is just really try to get yourself educated, whether it's YouTube, whether it's joining a mastermind or joining a mentorship program. That is extremely important because, you know, when we were in this, we were always told like, yeah, you know what? Smart people can figure this out, right? You'll figure this out. It could take you 10, 15, 20 years to figure it out. But if you get in front of the right people and get in front of an actual mentor or a couple mentors, that can expedite the process to three years or five years. And that was something that Nina and I had done as we became part of an educational program. We were part of some masterminds and that just really helped. So networking getting out in front of people, and then also trying to find mentors or just getting educated as best as you can. We heard a quote in the very beginning of our journey, which was something like, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. So that made us really have to humble ourselves and say, okay, we need to be the one with the least amount of information in the room. We need to find people that are better than us that made, you know, we may doubt ourselves when we're around that person because they're so accomplished. And we really put ourselves out there to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And that was a, a good thing. Yeah. And I will also, Steve, give three really good books um, that you could just start off right away are Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, grant by that is by Robert Kiyosaki. Um, 
Grant Cardone's 10X. If you can do that audio, I would 100% audio because he <laughs> does the audio and he's an amazing storyteller. And uh, the third one is the e-myth, the entrepreneurial myth. And that just really dives into how to run a business. And there's three focuses inside of that. And it's uh, by Michael Gerber. Uh, so those would be three books that I would 100% recommend right away. Yeah, we read those, I think, in our first year. And um, for me, I do not, I, I don't have an entrepreneurial background. My family was not entrepreneurial. Um, you know, my my mindset was um, I'm going to have a job. It needs to be stable. I need to save my money and hopefully retire when I'm 65. And when I read those books, you know, it all made a lot of sense. I had just never heard those things before. And I think exposure to new ideas like that is just critical in expanding your way of thinking. Yeah. And I just want to make one last point to, to kind of dovetail that is that, you know, when you literally are like kind of in this moment of like, can I do this? Can I not do this? Just know Nina and I have no previous background in real estate and this <laughs> passive income thing before we got into it. So None. <laughs> it is doable. Like we do not come from a family of real estate. Um, this was something that kind of came in our laps and we said, you know, this seems like the tried and true way it's, it's proven real estate is a proven way to create passive income. And another big word is generational wealth, wealth that will be here for us once we are gone, once we are past generations beyond us. So it is doable, but it is a, a roller coaster and, and you have to be ready for that. What don't people understand about what it takes to run multiple growing businesses while having a healthy marriage? Because it's one thing to be successful in business. It's another thing to have a healthy marriage. It you know, it's another thing to understand? be healthy. It's another, <laughs> it's another yeah, thing you're talking about a bunch healthy. of, so, so that's a kind of a, kind of a heavy question, but I, really like what don't people understand about what it takes to do those things? Yeah. Um, it's hard period. Yeah. It's very hard. And I would say usually when you're doing one of those things, well, it means the other ones are suffering and that it, I feel like Mitch and I went through sometimes months, sometimes years where we were, I don't want to say that we ever wanted to leave our marriage, but where it, you know, you'd ask yourself like, is this worth it? Because this feels so hard and it feels like you're neglecting your partnership. You're neglecting your marriage, your friendships, all for this goal that we have, you know, an arbitrary goal that we have with a business. And um, I think what helped us keep going forward and being patient with one another and being patient with an imperfect relationship is that we both had the same big vision and strategy, which was we're working for something bigger than ourselves. We're working for a generational wealth or legacy, and we're working for time. So when we had those things, right in front of us, it made it easy to go, okay, we, we can do this and it's okay that, that things feel hard. Yeah. And I would also say too, like, you know, we don't have it all figured out, <laughs> you know, like we're, we're in the process of still learning and figuring out how to do that the best way. And I think with Nina's point, like there is a lot of tough times in the marriage where, 
you have to make sure that, you know, you can kind of step back a little bit. And, you know, when you're in the heat of the moment, sometimes it's, it, you can do things that are just really emotional and are not logical. And Nina and I are both, we try to be as logical as we can, as often as we can. And taking a step back and really kind of, you know, settling down and, but people just really need to understand that if you are married, if you're going into business together, if you're trying to grow businesses, like what you may see and, and, you know, we can bring up the point of social media and how much instant gratification is these days and what people see, like there's a lot that goes underneath that people don't see. It's that, you know, there's that picture all the time of an iceberg, right? You see the tip of the iceberg, but you don't see underneath the water of all this stuff that it takes to have that iceberg be so big. And a lot of people don't see that stuff. So what they need to understand is that you're going to go through things and challenges and be uncomfortable and late nights and crying. And, but there's also the, cloud nine feelings and all the success that comes with that. And the, and when you make accomplishments, like there's, it's just a lot of give and take and you have to be prepared for that. Yeah. And I would, I would add one thing to that, which I think Mitch and I have really just, I don't want to say mastered, but gotten so much better at in the past couple of years um, is, you know, Mitch and I are around each other 24 seven. We work together. We sit at the same table when we work together. We are meeting the same people. We are at the same events, you know, and then at the end of the day, beginning and end of the day, we're here with our kids together and, you know, trying to uh, spend great time with our family. And, you know, it's, it's, so we're just very intertwined. There is no break for Mitch and I. And what we have gotten a lot better at is letting each other be who the other one is. Like I have such a better understanding of who Mitch is and let Mitch be Mitch. And same with me. Like we are appreciative and accept the idiosyncrasies that exist for one another. And we were not always good at that. I feel like for many years we wanted to change the other one and you know, make them somebody who behaved in the exact same way that, you know, we did. And um, I think that's been one of the most freeing things and helpful things so that we can operate with ease. So um, I want to make the shift to Boldly & Co. I've watched a bunch of your videos on mindset, prioritization, attitude, vision, inspiration. Um, There's a lot. There's a lot of topics out there. So Nina, Help us understand, bring us back to what you talked about before, uh, earlier in the conversation. Help us understand the role Boldly & Co. plays in the life of a leader that's listening into this conversation right now. Yeah. It, from my perspective, every single leader, um, no matter what type of leader you are, every company, every individual should be operating with productivity in mind. And as I mentioned before, it's like financial literacy. No one is taught this. It's kind of like, well, if you can figure this out, good luck. And But the thing is, it can be taught. And I think if you're a leader and you have a team, it is 100% your responsibility to be teaching it, coaching it, maintaining it, helping somebody operate at their you know maximum potential. And you know, for me, I was in the corporate world when I decided I wanted to get better. 
at being productive, at having better plans, at being more strategic, because I'm a worker bee. So I would set out to be like, let's say the best in my job. But what that often led me to do is work 70 or 80 hours a week. And I was facing extreme burnout. And I went to all my leaders. And you have to remember, I worked in healthcare technology. So I went to hospital presidents. I worked with medical doctors. I worked with PhDs. I worked with very accomplished executives. And I was able to say to them, like, hey, I, I, my quality of work is suffering. I'm facing burnout. I think I'm going to have like, I'm, I'm having panic attacks because I don't know how to manage this stress. And if I can't manage it, it's some, you know, as somebody who's good at planning and is kind of naturally productive, how is anybody else managing this? And the response I got was, you'll figure it out. And I thought to myself, how are these very accomplished, educated, you know, people, how do they not know? And the funny thing is they really don't know how to teach productivity. So, you know, and here's the thing when productivity is a result, by the way, it's a result of putting a number of things together, like vision, strategy, goals, milestones, project planning, behaviors, mindset, you know, it's not just like a quick fix. Um, But when you work on these things and uh, help your team achieve these things, there's all these real results that happen. Like not only can you truly get more done, like two to three times more done, but you can do it in less time. You have people that are happier. You have people that are healthier. You have less turnover, which is one of the most expensive things a company encounters. You have increased loyalty. So that means you have less people leaving. So, you know, to me, productivity is um, something that all leaders for themselves and for their teams should be constantly pursuing because the results speak for themselves. So it could, this this could actually be for either of you because I know Mitch, you were saying how much it's affected your life as well. This this productivity topic, you you zoomed in on it. It's a great transition to um, having either or both of you speak to us about productivity tools, tips, advice. I mean, we're all ears. So um, what would you say? Where would we start uh, if productivity is a result? How do we begin? the process and are there tools, tips, and advice that you would give? Yeah. So I will just quickly give mine because Nina, like I said, Nina taught me this method about four or five years ago. And it was funny too, because Nina was like trying to get me to learn this method for like way before then. And I was like, eh, you yeah, know, of course, you resisted. <laughs> of course. and I was like, and then she was like, all right, we're sitting down and I'm teaching you all of this stuff that, you know, that boldly and co has to offer. And one of the biggest things is just the the weekly planning that I can do and have visibility into my week. She does such a great job of teaching this. And I'm now every week, if it's not done, I'm lost. And Mitch uses a, a specific planner. It's our the boldly product. So we cut This is the one that's on the on your site? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's I a, saw that. You know, okay. I'll put a link in the show notes to that too. 
Yeah. And well, here's the thing, you know, most planners that you buy in a store, it's like a little teeny blank space for each day. And again, it's like a store being like, Hey, you'll figure it out. Just like those people (laughs) said to me all those years ago. And the thing is you won't figure it out. So that's why we have our very um, tried and true and prescribed planner that really teaches you how to do it. So uh, when do, Mitch, when do you do, I, I, again, my brain went to assumptions. It's going to be Sunday and you're looking at your coming week, but I don't, I don't want to, I want to rid assumptions here. So what practically is it that you do to get prepared for that following week? If that's, you know, you know, the important part. Yeah, absolutely. So I've, it's either a Friday or a Sunday. So if Friday, if I have time at the end of the week that I can plan the next week, if not, it is Sunday. I take between an hour and an hour and a half to actually sit down and do this. And I'm telling you that hour and an hour and a half, I'm not kidding when I say, say this, it saves me 10 to 15 hours a week. So I'm getting you know a 15-1 return <laughs> on my time just yeah. by planning out the week. And um, again, it's it's the way that the methodology is of, you know, we Nina and I live and die by our calendar. So everything that's on the calendar goes on to the actual productivity planner. And then I do what's called a brain dump where everything else gets put on the sheet, what I need to get done. And then that gets put into different time slots throughout the week. And I'm telling you, um, I'm, I get goosebumps right now just talking about it because it is so productive. It's insane. (laughs) It is like one of these things where if I didn't, if I would not do this, I could, I feel like we would not be where we're at today. If I would not have done this week in week out for the past four to five years. Yeah. And for me, I do my planning always on a Friday afternoon or evening because for the next week, because I like to be able to walk into a weekend and not be thinking about like, oh, I have to remember to do ABC. I want to be able to, yeah, I I think it's one thing that we talk a lot about in Boldly is letting your brain rest. It is, we are so busy. I feel like the distractions and electronics and digital life that we all have um, really deter from our brain resting and it, that's a huge detriment to productivity. So for me, in order for my brain to rest, I need to have it all written down and planned out for the next week. Then I can really enjoy my weekend. And I I agree. And simultaneously, I'm guessing that some people that are listening to this are doing emails <laughs> or uh, setting up calls or things like that. Like we don't, you're you're dead on. Both of you are are dead on about uh, whether it's the planning for what it takes to for success, um, the planning, the pre planning. So if a, if a, if a wedding goes off without a hitch, there was ten thousand things that were done before that wedding. Yeah, um, that's exactly it. Is that you have to do the hard stuff up front, and this is on a micro level and a macro level. So you have to do the hard stuff up front so that the rest of it in front of you can be easy. So for example, an hour of me really planning out my week, you know, the next week on a Friday allows the next six or seven days of my life to be very easy. I just follow the plan. And the same is on a macro level, right? If you have a vision, a strategy, goals, milestones, even though that's hard, intense work, 
for a business, if you have done that up front, well, then your next year is simple. So it's like, do that hard stuff up front. Yeah. You know, Steve, you just mentioned too, like as people are listening right now, you know, they're doing emails or they're, they're doing something else. Like our culture, right. Our culture has glorified being busy, multitask. Like when, when, you know, you go into an interview, right. And you say, what is one of your biggest strengths? And people are like, I'm a really good multitasker. No, Lies. Lies. Like that is, that is something like Nina and I are like, you know what? We're single-handedly are going to change that culture of like, no, you want to know what? Be easy. Be good. Like, don't like, like get away from that because being busy is not good. Multitasking is not good. You're going to get burnout. You're not going to perform as best as you can by trying to do things like that. It it really, a lot of uh, what we teach in Boldly towards the end of our our trainings. We, we have a whole system of training, um, but towards the end, we really hammer home um, psychology, what happens in the body, what happens to the brain when you are multitasking, overtired, distracted, you know, all the things that we've been told like we should do, like you've got to grind 24 seven. And it's like, yes, absolutely. There is something to be said for hard work and being disciplined but at some point, it reaches a level where it cannot be maintained. And then you actually go backwards in your results. So it's it's important that a leader is aware of that and, and takes care of their people. Yeah. And I will not take away anything from anyone that grinds and works hard. Yeah. Um, those things are important. And we did it for seven, eight years. And there is a point, but there has to be an end goal. When does that stop? When is that then done where you don't have to do that anymore? Grinding and grinding and grinding is just going to wear down that wheel. And Or how do you do it productively? Yes. Right. So you can maintain that level of effort for, you know, a long time. So yeah, I would... I would say a couple of other tips for listeners out there, or I'll talk very quickly about what are the four pieces of productivity. So like, how do you get there? Um, So the first piece is you have to know where you're going. So again, all these things are at a macro level, right? Like, you know, your vision, you know, your strategy, your end goal. It could also be like, you just know what the next week looks like. So you need to always know where you're going. The next thing is you need to work on the right things in the right ways. So we can't just work on anything because it's exciting or we got distracted. Um, And we have to know the real method on how to operate at the right times for our brain and body and be considerate of our time and all those good things. The third piece is you have to communicate productively. So as an example, if you're in a company and you have a plan for your next week, you can't be the only one that knows that plan. You have to be able to communicate right with your leader or your teammates, ask questions, let them know where you're struggling, where you may need help, and bounce that plan off of other people so they're aware. And the last piece is you have to be healthy and whole. So that's a piece that often gets neglected. It's considered unimportant. It really is. Like, 
you know, a lot of companies will say, I'll give you a 20% off your gym membership. Well, what? That, that's like one, one very small piece of health. And so we emphasize eight specific pieces of health and whole life. And, you know, one thing to really hammer this home is how can you do well in your life or your business or your career if you are not well? It's impossible. You, there has to be a support from your company or your leader to say, this is important. I see you as a whole person and I am going to encourage you to be healthy and whole and I mean it. And then naturally, when you put those four pieces together, you eventually do land on productivity. There's so much more here. We could, uh, before we started recording, we were talking about joking around, talking about uh, that we could go for three hours, which is where I'm at. Like my brain's all over the place, but I want to stick to the plan. So I know that uh, the local community is a big deal to both of you. Uh, I would love to hear off the cuff, you know, why is being connected to your local community so important to the pair of you? Yeah, I'll just quickly touch on that as, you know, for me, it's, um, I'm born and raised here in Kenosha and, and Nina is as well. Um, this is, you know, we've had some some tough times the past couple of years here in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And I think that was kind of, for me, uh, the last, you know, straw that, that broke the camel's back. And I really feel like we need change in our community and we need to have total like inclusiveness in our community. And I think it's just really important. And this is actually a big part for me right now in this next year is where do I fit in best with, with our community and how can I be most effective? I just don't want to dive in and start doing something. So I'm doing a lot of due diligence and meeting with people and talking and understanding where are the basic needs? How is how is even our community itself working together with all the different programs and organizations that we have? And I'm trying to really get a 30,000 foot view of that and then see where I'm very most passionate about and really where I can dive in to say, this is where I can be most effective and this is where I can have the big impact. And I really, I love this place. I love our community. Uh, 100% like this is my home and it's uh it's very important to me that that we get back on track and we see really we have such an amazing opportunity right now from where we have been to where we can go and I can see it and now it's putting that into a plan and executing and vision and then getting people on board to come along with yeah for me I would say I think that when a community is as healthy as possible, that it leads to real results. So it leads to economic results. It leads to academic results. It, you know, so it leads to successful individuals and families. And from my perspective, I want to see everyone doing well. So however I can contribute to that, I'm here for. <laughs> Love it. That's good. Uh, thank you both again for making time for this. Um, to close us out, wide open, whatever you'd like to, what, what would you each uh, want to sh share with our listeners or leave our listeners with? I would say um, that what I would want to leave people with is knowing that any pursuit that you really believe in is going to be hard. 
Um, but if you believe in it, keep going, keep trying, have a plan, execute that plan, um, and keep it moving forward. I think we're led to believe that, you know, on social media, for example, that things can be obtained and earned very easily. And I don't think that that's reality. Yeah, I will leave the listeners with, there is a lot of noise in our world. Um, social media, uh, the, the TV, there's a lot of stuff that we see and it, allow, it, it gets us to start comparing ourselves with other people. And what you really need to be comparing yourself to is yourself. Yeah. And knowing that when you, tomorrow, I want to be better than what I was today. And to have that consistent mindset. And trust me, I am also guilty of seeing what other people are doing and sometimes comparing myself. And when I see that and I'm doing that, I have to step back and reflect and say, you know what, this is my journey. This is what I'm doing. And this is where I want to go. I don't need to be comparing myself to anyone else. This is who I am and where I want to go. So just don't compare yourself, have your journey be your journey, champion it, and just get after it and go do it and take action. I love it. This is so good. Um, I am sure that we're going to, I'll be knocking on your guys' door virtually or, or, or literally one of your doors that you guys <laughs> rent out or something. I mentioned Nina here uh, to have you guys back on the podcast because this is, this is fun. You are living this thing out and it's, it's a unique thing that you all are building. Um, not just your, your immediate family, but also these businesses where you are trying to replicate yourselves in the local community and broader uh, with the businesses that you're running. So thanks for taking time for this. There was a ton of value here. Really yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Steve. We appreciate it. Yeah, we loved it. Thank you. All right, takeaways and action items. First of all, the takeaways. I've got two. Number one, passive income or mailbox money is attainable, but you have to put yourself around people that are doing it. Number two, productivity is a result. Action items. Want passive income? Move. They told you where to start. Number two, wanna see more productivity? Know where you're going, work on the right things, communicate productively, be healthy and whole. Consider giving us a review in whatever platform you're using. On the most basic level, it helps us know that what we're doing matters. Now, we're not shooting for fame and fortune. We're aiming at adding value to leaders, and those reviews are a great encouragement in that regard. So please consider doing that. And if you thought of someone during this episode, seriously, send it to them with a note of encouragement. We all need to know that somebody else has our back. Now, we at IOL... We have over 100 episodes that will aid in your growth as a leader. So follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're using. You'll have access to all of them. And if you want to search a specific topic, go to impactofleadership.com. Click on podcast. And if you scroll down just a little bit on the right-hand side, there's a search bar. Type in leadership. Type in money. Type in bad interviews. And a bunch of stuff will pop up. As a reminder, don't forget to check the show notes. Resources and connections abound. I can't wait to be with you again soon, but until then, from all of us here at the Impact of Leadership, thanks for listening.